0: This episode is sponsored by The Perfect 3 Collagen. Collagen is the most abundant form of protein in our bodies, and like many things, it starts to decline as we age. If you're noticing low energy, cravings, joint pain, or dull skin and hair, you'll want to check out their collagen creamer. Add it to coffee, tea, or milk to enjoy high-quality collagen and brain-boosting superfoods on a daily basis. Check them out at theperfect3.com or visit the link in our show notes and get 10% off your first order. Welcome to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics podcast, the voice for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Colleen. My name is Bridget. And we hope you are enjoying the first couple weeks of 2023, that you're not too depressed taking your Christmas tree down. If you ever want to see a really great way to do it, watch our YouTube channel. Bridget does an amazing video of saran wrapping her tree. She does not yeah. take down a single ornament. She just. No, saran this adds. is
1: the fifth year, fifth year I saran wrapped it, which I need to put the. Every time I am wrapping it, my husband's helping me, and we have not videotaped us. Wrapping it, just the end result. But I have videotaped us unwrapping it, which is much easier. There you go. (laughs) But it really, you know, the little trees aren't hard and the big trees, um, you know, a little more work on the nine foot or what's, I don't even know how tall that tree is. You just have to have the space in your garage to do it. You do. Have it stand up straight. You should see us going down our 17 front steps (laughs) with that tree. And I, I think I've lost two ornaments, really, but never bad. I was able to repair them. So oh, good. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah.
0: Well, you'll have to check that out. And this week, we are starting the conversation with someone who has actually been on the show before, Dr. Heather Hirsch. She was in season one of our show. And at the time, she had just opened the Midlife and Menopause Clinic at Harvard's Brigham and More Clinic. You know, it was one of maybe 32 clinics at the time. It was the second one that she had opened, and it was addressing the concerns of women in midlife, especially menopause because that seems to be one of our biggest concerns and now she is the chief of clinical quality at midi health and midi health is a virtual clinic for midlife women she's always had the desire to reach more people as opposed to one particular city so that's why she is at midi health and she's excited to talk to us about a couple different topics we ask her you know some of the most popular questions that get asked by women we talk about uh ozempic, which is a very big thing right now. Very interesting. Very interesting about that. Ozempic is a diabetic medicine that has now been advertised to be used for weight loss for a variety of issues, but menopause being one of them. And so we asked her about the side effects, the benefits. Is it really something that women our age should be looking into going into? And we talk about that. And we also talk about bioidenticals and how that bioidentical is really a slang term. Mm -hmm. Estradiol is what it boils down to. And she talks about that on the show because we get so many questions from listeners. I don't know if I should be using a cream or a patch or should I be taking it orally? And do I have, you know, have I had a hysterectomy? Do I need progesterone?
1: And it all goes back to, to that that 2003 2002 or 3 i always get the year mixed up the women's health initiative study that scared everybody you know away from hormones because they were so scared of the risk of breast cancer and you know that we have we have talked to so many people that are debunking that study and really the study wasn't so bad it was just the reporting the way it was reporting or reported that was misleading to women and scared all these women and and women that choose to do hormones really if you're safe it you don't need to suffer through this and you know if that's something you choose and you want some help and it's just too much for you you don't need to suffer and I loved uh, talking to Dr. Hirsch about that today.
0: And she even said that hormone therapy actually reduces the diagnosis of diabetes for women in our demographic. So there's a lot of positives to hormone therapy. It gets a bum rap for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. And obviously, they give you options. Some women cannot go on hormone therapy. So they give you a more natural alternative. For now, let's get started with our conversation with Dr. Hirsch. Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. Today we have on someone who has been on the show from season one, which feels like so long ago, Dr. Heather Hirsch. Welcome again to the show.
2: Well, it's so great to be back. And yes, I remember recording that in the pandemic in my basement
1: trying to get away from my family. I yes. think you even went in your car at one point. I think you <laughs> yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's just how it goes, you know? Oh, it's how it went. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's so amazing how, what we will
0: do to get the taping done right and just yes. have like 10 minutes of quiet. But yes. since then, you have been so busy. I can't even I believe that you managed to have another child in the mix of how busy I,
1: you are. So I congratulations
0: know. on Thank the new <laughs> And you are a menopause expert. One of the things that I really appreciate that you do is your social media platform. So we're going to talk about the fact that you are the chief of clinical quality and medical advisor at MIDI, which is a new position for you. So we're excited to learn all about that. And we're going to talk about a few different menopausal issues, but I wanted to start the conversation with the fact that you have really created a platform on social media, answering questions for women about menopause. And I think a lot of our listeners would really appreciate knowing more about that because it's so informative.
2: Oh, well, thank you. You know, I started on Instagram. I remember May 1st, 2017, was the first time I ever posted on social media. I thought everyone should know this. And I didn't realize how much it took to create a, a really evolving and up to date social media platform. And One of the things I will say that really fuels me is the audience and having such amazing audience engagement and uh, comments and feedback. It continues to fuel the next thing that I want to post about and the next thing that I want to post about. And so I think one of the things is the community building aspect has been really, really wonderful and and truly, truly the uh, community feel and the vibes and the questions fuels a lot of the content that I put out there, or the myths that I want to deconstruct, or uh, the lab tests that you know so many people just don't understand, and it, it's taken a it takes a long time to grow that type of community, but that investment was really worth it because now I have a community that I can go to to say vote on what you want me to do a YouTube or a podcast on, and they give me thousands of ideas, and it really kind of now sort of in a way fuels itself or runs. Itself and I really show up for what my audience is really looking for. And there's so many other ways to talk about the analytics or how to do research and, you know, all of those things. But the truth of the matter is, it's really giving people the information that they continually keep asking you in a way that feels authentic and genuine.
1: And that's what has worked so far. It's so great that they have a doctor that will answer these questions because even if they want it to go to their own doctor, they, they have to make an appointment. They're not going to get in for weeks and weeks. And just to be able to have someone that can answer these questions that is a menopause expert. What are probably one or two of the most common questions you get from women going through
0: perimenopause? Perimenopause.
2: I, I always get Dr. Hirsch. Is this blank symptom a part of perimenopause? I get that in my DMs everywhere, you know. Um, and then I hear people asking it to each other in the comments, or um, you know, if I go on Facebook and go into actually different people's groups, not just mine. Is is this is this what to expect? But people ask me in my DMs all the time: Is this normal? Is this normal? Is this normal? There's so much uh, validation of symptoms because I think. It's been so under-researched and so under-treated and so misdiagnosed and so mismanaged for so many years that you have women going to see dermatologists and sleep doctors and endocrinologists uh, all to find out that their symptom actually uh,
1: was or could be related to a hormonal change. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you find that happen to a lot of uh, patients before they come to you that have gone through these symptoms and, you know, like you said, they're being sent here or there, what are some common treatments that have been prescribed to them and what are some things that maybe didn't necessarily help them? Antidepressants are usually the first line
2: in terms of medications that women will get, and I want to really take a cautious line here. And that you know, I don't think antidepressants are bad. I don't think actually any medicine is bad or good. But the truth of the matter is that most women are offered SSRIs or SNRIs antidepressants, and they're offered this for a multitude of reasons for menopause. And doctors think that SSRIs are first line. Hint: They're not. Hormone therapy is the only FDA-approved medication to prevent uh, and to uh, relieve vasomotor symptoms and the other symptoms of menopause. So SSRIs are not first-line. In fact, they're off-label. They're not actually FDA-approved for menopausal care. But antidepressants are what I usually see. So it was either because their doctor wanted to prescribe that instead of hormone therapy or because their doctor mismanaged their insomnia as anxiety or their um, menopause as anxiety uh, or their, uh, whatever it may be, ruminating tendencies, fatigue, or whatever it might be to some kind of mental, what we'd consider a mental illness or a mood disorder and why you would treat with an SSRI. So, SSRI is probably one, two, and three. Um, but I've seen all sorts of other things be prescribed. But SSRI is going to take the cake on that.
0: You have recently started a position as chief of clinical quality and medical advisor at MIDI Health. And one of the things, you know, I looked on the website and the, one of the first statistics it said was that 80% of OBGYNs are untrained in menopause, which unfortunately, Bridget and I hear time and time again. So number one, what exactly is the chief of uh, clinical quality? And two, why did you feel the need to to go over to Midi? What are they doing and how are they helping women in menopause?
2: Yeah, great question. As the chief of clinical quality, I am really in charge of the quality of clinical guidance given. And so really essentially that means I am helping uh, to train our nurse practitioners and our clinicians who are going to be seeing patients and review charts with them and continue to do sort of their continuing what we would call like their continuing education, um, help them with efficiency as well, which is kind of like the back end of seeing patients and being able to be quick so that you can see uh, patients and develop protocols and develop strategies that I can help put in place to help them really do all of that. Right? How do I package myself or you know teach, teach, give someone all the knowledge I have uh, that it took me years to learn in a short amount of time? So that. That is what I'm charged with doing. And me, myself, I'll be seeing patients as well as teaching and training uh, the clinicians and working on creating more protocols. And um, which is our way of sort of saying protocol is really a way of saying whether you saw, you know, nurse Colleen or nurse Bridget, that there's some standard there where you would hopefully end up you know not that 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 they're that they're don't have personalities and uh that there's not more than one way but hopefully the patient would end up at the sort of a very similar care plan so that's kind of what the idea of those protocols are as i have a social media presence as you guys talked about at the beginning as people dm me all these things they're not just in boston they're not just in ohio and quite frankly they're not just in the united states and so I would love if I would be able to make an impact on so many people's lives, and if that means training other people to be able to follow similar protocols and prescribe similar medications and to provide educational content to patients in ways that I alone can't do, that was something I was really excited to be able to do.
1: Can you describe how MIDI could reach women that maybe don't have that luxury of... of you know, being able to pay out of pocket for things.
2: Right. So the going the insurance route is the harder route because, oh my gosh, you know, like every state you have to, and every, um, you have to... It's paperwork. It's a lot of paperwork, (laughs) but the 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 reason to do so is it allows people to use their insurance, which hopefully they already have. So it is a a, you can cash pay if you're essentially like if you're in a place that we aren't yet there, but you really want to look for care um, or get a jump start. But by by taking insurance, this is going to allow so many other people to have access to something where otherwise, you you know, if you didn't have a, a doctor near you, you'd have to travel or you would have to wait on really, really, really long wait lists or whatever it might be. And so hopefully there's not just one insurance, but multiple ways where we can increase access to care or timely care, right? Because it would pain me when uh, my staff would tell me, hey, Dr. Hirsch, just so you know, your next new visit is in nine months. And can you please, you know, what do you want me to do with these five patients who are begging to get in? Is there any way you can see them sooner? It it was just so... It it felt, felt like a lot of weight on my shoulders because it was so unfair for the patient, yet I couldn't work any harder either, or else I would crumple too. And then... You
1: know, yeah, so the quality, quality would be gone. Yeah. If you there were there, you yeah, have yeah. it.
0: Can you talk a little bit about women come to us and they'll say, can you explain the difference between HRT, bioidenticals, patch, cream? They're so overwhelmed by information. They don't know, well, what's going to work for me?
2: Right. This is also, I guess, another big important question. And I kind of have my elevator pitch of this. So, Believe it or not, bioidentical is a made-up slang marketing term. Yes, folks, it's not a real thing. There is no pharmaceutical grade, bioidentical, anything. And it is the most genius marketing term, because doesn't it just sound great? Like it's a bio and it's identical <laughs> to me. Bioidentical if you replace that word for estradiol, you're going to win every time. So forget the word bioidentical because it is a slang term. And NAMS even has a position statement on this. So bioidentical means estradiol. Estradiol itself compared to premarin or conjugated equine estrogen, estradiol is a more plant-based Estrogen that looks chemically similar, not exact, but it's is, as is close as it can to what our body endogenously would make. Now the difference is that even though we can say it's plant-based, it's still made in a lab. It doesn't come from you know yams that we grind up and then. Put some magic dust on, and then put your DNA in. Right there's this gene. There's this, this 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 imaginary thing that we've created that bioidentical is this magical safe component, and it's estradiol that's made in a lab. That's it. That's it. It's estradiol. So whether estradiol is cream, whether estradiol comes from uh, CVS, meaning it's FDA approved, or it's compounded, meaning it's not FDA approved, you can get estradiol. Either way, what you really want is FDA-approved hormone therapy first and foremost, and you can get bioidentical, and if you are listening listeners, I've got air quotes, bioidentical estradiol that's FDA-approved, and all you want to look on your box is say, ah, it says the main ingredient is estradiol. Now, premarin or conjugated equine estrogen comes from horses. Most people know that. And whether you think that that is terrible agree ethical or not, not the point, but it's not bioidentical, right? Because it's not naturally derived. It comes from animals. So conjugated equine estrogens or conjugated estrogens, particularly that's the main classification, are not sort of this more plant-based approach. Now, I'm also going to let you in on something really, really, really interesting, right? People think bioidentical, you know, always say bioidentical is better. But the safety of estradiol, the safety of hormone therapy in general, actually all stems from the research we have from Premarin from the WHI. And Premarin without a progesterone in the WHI statistically significantly decreased the risk of breast cancer. And so, you know, people always say, well, isn't primer in the bad stuff? And I'm like, well, I mean, nah. Now, most people prefer bioidentical because we have slammed that word down people's throats. And I'm not against that at all, at all, at all, at all. But it is, it is really interesting when you think about actually the history and the term and how it is used and how then it's just, it's actually quite confusing, but then women are marketed this false term, isn't it? It is yeah. kind of predatory.
1: It, yeah. Yes, you know, it's absolutely. interesting. You're saying, you know, you're. I, I think I saw something today. I don't even know where I saw it. Somewhere on social media. Or I don't even know if it was TikTok or Instagram. But it was a chart saying what were the bad ones and the good ones. And they had primer and the thumbs down. And I can't remember what else they had thumbs down. They did not have, est- they had like estradiol, which you were saying, With a thumbs up, with a catch or whatever. But and now I'm thinking, what? I don't even know what the research behind that was.
0: Yeah, right. You know,
1: scary part.
2: And and the truth of the matter is that you know to to not take it too deep in the woods. But when it comes to progesterone, what bioidentical also typically refers to is micronized natural progesterone or prometrium compared to progesterone acetate or progesterones that are um, not made as much from natural products versus progestins that are made more from natural products. And the progesterone maybe differ a little bit more than the estrogens. But all in all, I'm gonna tell you what I tell all my patients. If I was on a deserted island and all that was there was Prem Pro, I would happily take it.
1: Okay. Yeah, you because you know you do. You that it's it's starting to get a bad name. You know, it, it was the only option for. A while, but it's it's really starting to get a bad name. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think the thing about passing through the liver, things like that, um, yeah. is that is that a big concern, or do you find that to be a big concern? It's not a big concern. Um, unless a patient has
2: some pre-existing comorbidities, and there are some cases where certainly transdermal definitely is better. Diabetes, dyslipidemia, bariatric surgery, any type of malabsorption issue doesn't apply to everyone. Um, and so this is sort of where it kind of gets into an individualized kind of approach is so, so helpful for women when they're making decisions, you know, but, and, and that's why these out of these sort of posts, like what's thumbs up and what's thumbs down, taken out of context, is they're, they're just add more fuel to the confusing fire. So I have a woman came to me. She's like, I'm doing so good on this Premarin or this Prem Pro, but everyone tells me it's dangerous. Like, should I switch? And well, so I say, you know, well, let's talk about where, why that idea comes from, and how dangerous is it really? It's not you know, are there things that are slightly better? Maybe. Is it worth it? (laughs) It's up to you, you know? And so I think that, you know, I love, don't get me wrong. See, you got me down a rabbit hole. I said I was going to go down. (laughs) I love individualizing hormone therapy with women. That's my jam. I love talking about your dose and your route and your formulation, which is, you know, bioidentical versus not bioidentical. But, But I guess what I'm trying to say is, is you're right with so much mixed news out there from people who are not necessarily experts, it is a scary world. Which is why I wrote a book.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which, <laughs> which is coming out
0: about. next yes. year. Oh, and yes. we, are gonna, we are actually yes. going to have
1: you back on to talk all I about it. Yeah, to talk it. about it. Unlocking your then. menopause type. A very uh-huh. excited. Since we're on the
0: road of controversial medications and things that women can take, I have heard a lot of things about Ozempic recently and some other diabetic medications that women are using for weight loss. But then I watched your TikTok and I was like, well you know, I'd rather go to the experts like you and know <laughs> yeah. exactly what's happening. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, sure. So I think Ozempic probably catches the majority of its controversy around its use. I'm not, not going to say this probably in the best, most thoughtful way, but it's essentially it's essentially about abusing a medication. For women maybe who don't qualify as obese, for maybe we think about, oh, I think about on TikTok, Kim Kardashian using Ozempic to fit into her Marilyn Monroe dress, right? Speculation, speculation of course, but doesn't seem all that unplausible. And so I think a lot of the controversy, at least for me, lies in the idea of, are people going to use this medication for evil and not good? Because I think using it for weight loss, specifically for people with comorbidities or for obese, is amazing, amazing. Obesity is a chronic condition, not unlike COPD or cancer or asthma or chronic back pain. And to treat obesity and give you a better quality of life and to reduce the chronic disease burden is astronomically important. Astronomically important. And I prescribed Ozempic for many of my patients. Um, And of course, I'm a menopause consultant, so I'm usually first doing their menopause and getting them on their hormone therapy and making sure they're sleeping and making sure their diet is good and they don't have any other anxiety and depression or binge eating. And then if they say, look, I'm still you know 40 pounds overweight and by my height and stature, you know, it, it really can help. It's a chronic medication, so it's probably something that you are going to really need more long term than short term. But I think where the main controversy, at least in my heart, lies is what about the patient that wants to lose, drop five pounds before her wedding? What about the patient who can't lose that stubborn last 10 pounds? You know, who is the ethical weight police to say what's right and what's wrong? And I would not put myself on that list necessarily. It is one of those things that are so two sided. Of we always tell, you know, women are always, you know, expected to be. I open TikTok and it's always like, you know, how to how to make this food, how to eat this many calories. blah, 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 blah. You're not even looking for the information, but you're flooded with it. So now, should you use a medication to get what you want? And but also, is it fair to say? Well, if you're 10 pounds overweight, just try harder.
0: Exactly. And I know when you posted what you posted on TikTok, you posted one right after going, whoa, wait a second. Like you must have gotten bombarded with opinions from everybody. What happened there?
2: Well, you know, there are definitely opinions on, you know, it's just because, you know, uh, these, we shouldn't, society shouldn't turn to medicine. Society shouldn't turn turn to big pharma. Right, big pharma is just the root of all evil. (laughs) (laughs) Clinician, so I'm a clinician, like the majority of clinicians who've worked at academic centers. Who we don't make money prescribing medications; we get nothing out of it other than helping our patients. Right. And so you've got a lot of people saying, oh, you know, this is promoting big pharma. Or this is promoting unhealthy lifestyles. This is promoting un- unrealistic, unobtainable things. What about, you know, how much this costs? This costs, you know, that was another thing, right? Oh, this costs so much. Only social and such people can afford this. So it opens a lot of can of worms that I'm not saying people aren't wrong about. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we do know about weight, to be quite honest, is that it is not just willpower it is not just willpower mm-hmm. and it's garbage that we tell particularly women that that it's just willpower that just stick to your caloric intake m- and everything yeah, <laughs> yeah. and maintain yes. your caloric deficiency and like all work out of- more yeah. yeah yeah it's not just that yeah. And so a lot of the pushback is on, you know, our medications are always the right answer. And the answer to that, to be honest, is it really depends upon the patient, the patient's situation, um, and the relationship that the shared decision making between them and the clinician, and their other chronic diseases. And yes, sometimes it does come down to coverage and can you afford this? Um, but there's a million different examples I have of patients who have used this kind of medication in all different types of scenarios.
1: And then I'm curious, are there any side effects that are really scary? You know, yeah. taking this.
2: This is true. And I will tell you, um, you know, I had a patient for whom she was that patient that needed to lose 15 pounds. And she had been with me for a year. For a year. And she could not and and she was a professional and had sought mental help and had done everything. And we decided to start her on the lowest dose, right? Who, the patient is so is suffering so much from this, um, and she was under physician guidance when when we did this, and et cetera. And so, it, these are all really important points, right? So, side effects it can make you feel um, nauseous at first. Um, you can feel a little woozy, lightheaded, dizzy, and. Because of those symptoms, we own, you are supposed to start the patient, and I always do on the very lowest dose for a month. And if you can't tolerate that, it's not worth it. It is not worth you feeling like you're going to trip and fall or have an accident. And so, as long as you know at the lowest dose you can tolerate those side effects, or they've kind of worked their way out of their system, then you can kind of slowly go up on the dose.
1: Uh, this sounds so interesting. Also, you so is it? It's originally for diabetes. Is that the the purpose. Could it prevent, because yes. you know how people are that, oh, you're borderline, you get your numbers and your borderline or type two diabetes. Is it, can it be preventative for that?
2: So we have no data to show that it can. And, but this is an excellent question, right? Because your brain is like, ha, huh, what <laughs> if, you know, I bet your hypothesis would be true. Um, But in order to actually say, I know the answer to that, we would have to have women um, pre-diabetics take the medication compared to a woman pre-diabetic who say follow a good healthy diet with exercise to see if they didn't. However, on this topic, I will say, we know that hormone therapy reduces the diagnosis of diabetes. And this is uh, um, a really interesting point because it gets muffled so much under a lot of the weight of, of everything in, when talking about heroin therapy, but this is really true. And you know where we know this? The WHI and Prempro. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> All, roads, really? Lead All back roads lead back to the WHI. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Prem Pro and Premarin both decreased the Diagnosis of diabetes in women who took it in the WHI compared to placebo. <laughs> and so it probably works differently by controlling insulin resistance versus Ozempic slows gut digestion and reduces your appetite. However, your thought, you know, Bridget, is that if you use it in pre diabetes and your weight just stayed lower and you didn't ever get up to the point where your pancreas was kind of just getting more insulin resistant, you might. Not have diabetes. So it's also fascinating, guys. It It really, really is. And you know, I have a big mouth. I could talk forever. Well,
0: no. And I think (laughs) it's it's fascinating. It really shows the importance of talking to a doctor who is educated on the topics and not just going to someone that, you know, well, my friend told me to take a Zempic, so let's give it a shot. Or, you know what I mean? Like, really educating yourself through finding the right clinicians. Yeah. Which and I noticed you have a pretty big staff at MIDI Health as far as clinicians go.
2: Four docs, there's four NPs and many more coming in to start their training soon. Um and it's so exciting to see it grow. And I just I guess it's corny, but I just want a world or <laughs> I'll start. I'll take the United States to start with, where women feel as though they have access to a really uh, knowledgeable and evidence based doctor to help guide them to the right decision. And that we stop judging women for taking hormone therapy or not taking hormone therapy because it goes both ways, right? Mm-hmm. And um, people just feel really excited about their choice in menopause if they have symptoms on what you know what priorities they have and what they want to treat and how they want to treat it. That's that's really my pipe dream.
0: So we we hinted around a little bit that you have a book coming out next year and like I said we're going to have you come on talk all about it. But what made you want to write a book unlocking it's it's called unlocking your menopause type. What made you want to write a book about unlocking your menopause type?
2: So the reason I wanted to write this book is I had been seeing patients at the time for about uh, half a decade and I started to see these specific patterns over and over and over again. At the same time, I always love this idea of this individualization that we've kind of threaded through this episode of you really need to sit with your doctor to decide based on your history and and this and this and this and that and your goals what to pick. And so I thought to myself, oh, I can actually, really help tailor uh, treatments and not just treatment, but lifestyle and ways of thinking based on these six different types. And of course, that's not uber personalized because that would be a Doctor's visit, but it can at least help start people see that there. I see these different types of menopause, and then I thought, what a fun way to also teach menopause because I bet people are going to want to know what's my type, what's your type, right? You know, so it's also very inclusive. So the first type is um, premature menopause. Um, oh gosh, now I'm going to have to remember my own types in my own book. <laughs> premature menopause. I'll give you guys a big clue for your listeners. Premature menopause. Sudden menopause, full throttle menopause, mind and mood menopause, lingering menopause, and silent menopause. And you might think that silence kind of like, huh? But there are some women who don't have any symptoms and because of that, they might miss a lot of important body changes because they don't have any symptoms in menopause. And so those are the six six big different types of menopause that I see And throughout each chapter of the book, I really talk about what causes that kind of type, how can you treat it with hormone therapy if you didn't want to use or you can't use hormone therapy, how can you treat it with lifestyle and supplements. And each of those has just so much depth and breadth in each chapter. The first part of the book really goes through also in a very Heather Hirsch way, what the heck is menopause? What are the big myths and misconceptions? What's the deal with hormone therapy? We answer the bioidentical question. And the last part of the book is this whole like DIY and preparing yourself, you know, to live your best self through the menopause transition. And the DIY part is, you know, if you have a specific symptom, let's say it's breast pain, right? How can you treat that at home? And I give you like five or six steps to treat each specific symptom at home. So I hope it is really an inclusive book where it's the first book that cancer survivors can go, younger women can go, women without symptoms can. Go, women with mood, real mood disorders can go to really see how menopause has impacted. Their life based on their unique symptoms, and it's also really, really fun to read. I throw in a lot of anecdotes and stories of patients that I've seen and treated, and I hope it's really inspiring and uplifting.
1: So it's in pre-order right now, but I can't wait till it comes out because that'll be really interesting. You know, just great and great information for women. We just need more of that there's just not enough for us. Yes. I know. Well, well, thank you
2: guys. Thank you so much.
0: Well, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you so much for thinking of me and thank you for having me. And thank you for being a, a really big, important voice in the discourse on midlife and making midlife really, really what it should be, the best part of life.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and we hope you learned a lot as we did with Dr. Hirsch. We always love having her on. If you have questions or want some links from this episode, you can check out our show notes on howflashiscooltopics.com website. You can also check out the video. It'll be up on our YouTube channel, which is Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. Make sure you're following us on all forms of social media, and have a great week, guys.